And I, and I, I use as the title of my sermon this morning, words falling from the lips of the master yes. uh, to, to Simeon, the paralytic. But Bethesda, I don't know whether you know, Bethesda means um, I've just lost the name. Bethesda means a house of mercy. House of mercy. And I use the title Would You Be Whole? Those are the words, the words that fell from the lips of Jesus to the paralytic. Would you be made whole? Deep down inside the paralytic's heart came the reply in, with some bitterness. When he said to the master, Lord, I have no one to help me. And I must, with respect, put the question that Jesus put to the paralytic to you this, today. Would you be healed? Bow your heads with me, please. Father in heaven, as we ponder on your word this morning, speak to us, Lord. Talk to us, Lord. Some of us may be discouraged because of various things, the crucibles that Satan throws at us. Oh, Father, you are the answer. You are the solution. And as we go through the crucibles, maybe we, may we be strengthened by the fact that there's victory waiting for us. Thank you, Lord, for this privilege. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, Bethesda was one of the several entrances to the temple. The prominent of these, of course, was the Great Eastern Gate, generally known as the Pilgrim's Gate. And, and a dominant uh, exterior feature that served as the site of many of the ceremonial uh, occasions. This gate opened out towards the Kidron Valley, and it lay under the shadow of Mount Olives, the mount on which Jesus ascended to heaven. And soon when he comes back with the, city, the new city, of Jerusalem, he will land at that uh, mountain. The Eastern Gate, my friends, seemed to provide direct access to God Almighty. A lesser entrance was, of course, situated to the north, and it was called the Sheep Gate. This entrance provided access to the market site of the sacrificial animals for those who could not bring an honorable, a great, um, and a proper sacrifice with them. It attracted the powerless. It attracted the hopeless. It attracted the downtrodden, unloved, and unlovely. 
people who had no other positions or place in the temple got through that gate. The powerless, the hopeless, the invalid stormed the area as it were. On a hot day, a southerly breeze could render the place oppressive and unbearable. The heavy stench of the animal pens was soporific and its resident tended uh, to smell uh, dank odor. And some of these people were tempted to think, to curse, to want to curse God Almighty who, uh, because of what the situation was then. It appeared to many of the people then that God had rejected the invalid taking into cognizance uh, Leviticus 21, 19 to 25, that says, No man with a crippled foot or hand, or who is a hunchback or dwarf, or who has any eye defect, or who has festering or running sores, or damaged ten, ten testicles, no descendant of Aaron, the priest, who has any defect, is to come near the, to present the food offerings to the Lord. He has a defect. He must not come near to offer the food of, of his God. He may eat the most holy food of his God, yet because of his defect, he must not go near the curtain or approach the altar and so desecrate my sanctuary. I am the Lord who makes them holy. You know, I guess that because of the intermittent stream uh, may explain in some way the troubling of the water from time to time. This may have fueled the belief then that a certain, at certain seasons the water of the pool near the sheep market was agitated by supernatural powers. And that whoever stepped into the pool first would be healed for whatever disease he had. Oh, my friends, sufferers would spend their nights waiting for that moment there. They would creep to the edge of the pool in, in the vain hope of getting relief. Shelters were erected to protect the sick from the burning heat of the day as well as the shield of the night. As a result, a big crowd gathered at the pool and as soon as the water was agitated and stirred, there would be great pandemonium. The crowd would rush forward trampling underfoot men, women, and children who were weaker than themselves. And so Ellen White says that many who succeeded to reach the pool died upon its brink. 
But it wasn't the myth of the troubled waters that kept the invalids in Bethesda. One did not have to wait long enough uh, before realizing that there was no angel, no miracle, no divine intervention to be found in the pool. But it was an excellent place to work on the guilt and charity of the able members who had come to the temple to find their own restoration and forgiveness. Bethesda in Jerusalem generally was pleasant and the weather was good. Occasionally, the summer days would be dank and oppressive. And at times, especially in the winter, there would be a damp, a chill, and a touch of sloppy wet, uh, wet snow. But those days were, were few. Because generally, Jerusalem's weather was pristine. Simeon watched the people around him that spring morning again, just as he had done so a thousand times before during his lifetime at Bethesda. Some faithful pilgrim coming to the temple who had traveled to Jerusalem for, for the great feast and uh, took him into the, t um, the pool. And I want to say that Simeon had watched the priests, the priests that cheated the people at the market. They cheated people blind. This time it, it looked and appeared to be a northerly Galilean, perhaps someone who worked in the olive oil industry. Simeon saw those who came to the sheep gate to be fleeced by the priests themselves. He had watched men coming from long distances, from Galilee, in search of the Almighty God, only to have God's priests cheat them blind. Many came to the festival of Sukkoth at the tab tabernacle, only to feel to leave feeling very bitter indeed. They brought their lambs all the way, only to have them rejected by the priests for spurious reasons. Perhaps there was a lump in the abdomen or a spot on a foreleg. The lamp the priest found may have been a part of the sheep's necessary anatomy. If the priest declared the spot a permanent deformity, there was no recourse. No one could appeal to somebody else to, to look at the, the matter. It was final. However, the strange thing was that after the sheep was condemned, the priest would offer it 
to the owner only four shekels. And then, after doing so, the priest would take the, the lamb to the market to sell it as a fit animal to some unsuspecting pilgrim at a price much, much higher than he had paid it for. Priests would cheat people with money exchange. They would insist on the people certifying that their coins were of pure silver, which many could not do. Those who could not were directed by the priest to a table of exchange where someone would gladly accommodate them at a higher rate of exchange of two pieces of their, of their silver to one. So after 38 years of rejection by God and his human agents, one more corrupt a transaction was just a drop in the pool of utility at Bethsaida. You know, Simeon, it is told that he was a prosperous businessman before. This man uh, was selling uh, but not as an ethical businessman. He had swindled many merchants with pottery represented as coming from Babylon, when in truth it was just a cheap uh, Im imitation from Samaria. There was one similar transaction that Simeon lived to regret for the rest of his time until he met Jesus. This one proved to be one too many for Simeon. For the idiomite chieftain showed no mercy as he sent men to exact revenge. Six of Simeon's uh, servants were murdered mercilessly. But the idiomite, the idiomite decided that death was too good for Simeon. Instead, he, the idiomite chieftain, hit Simeon with a swift blow to his lower spine that left him paralyzed. It is quite possible, though, that the paralytic continued sinning in his mind. So Simeon was forced to move to Bethesda, Bethesda alone friendless, no one to support, but only reduced to merciless feeling. In time during his stay there, someone took pity, as I said before, and moved him into the edge of the pool. But his problem, as we read and said before, no one was able to push him into the pool. And so one faithful spring day, the masses of the people had gathered in Jerusalem for the Passover feast. Pilgrim festivals were a mixture of blessings for they brought 
many faithful servants of the Lord whose charity Simeon could invoke. On the other hand, the sheep gate became chaotic as many people came needing sacrificial animals to appease their senses of guilt before the Almighty God. Jesus was again in Jerusalem, this time walking alone. He appeared to be in deep meditation and prayer. As he approached the pool, he looked up and saw the wretched sufferers watching for their only chance of healing. Jesus looked at these poor people and his desire was to exercise his healing power and make every single one of them whole. It was on the Sabbath day. Multitudes were going to worship in the temple and, and an act of healing on his part would excite prejudice of the Jews. But you know, the Savior could not resist one case of supreme wretchedness that he saw. It was a man who had been paralyzed for 38 long years. And so Jesus entered a place of merciless mercy. Remember we said Bethsaida uh, talks about mercy, the place of mercy. And as he entered, he saw lying on this miserable man. As Jesus stood before him, Simeon suddenly felt a shadow fall upon him. And so he looked up to see a Galilean standing over him. He could not understand who this man was. For a while he looked and hope suddenly came to his heart. However, the glow of encouragement and hope faded and Simeon abruptly addressed this man who was standing almost over him. And he said to this man, to this strange man that he had never seen before, he said to him, I am sorry, but if you are waiting for me to move my legs so that you may pass by, you may be waiting for a very long time. I haven't moved these dead stumps since before you were born. And by looking at this man, he could tell that this man was younger than the time that he had spent at Bethsaida. He says, I certainly won't be moving these stumps today for you. His bitter outbursts, though, brought no response from the master. He stood there looking at the paralytic. Simeon was agitated. He thought, who is this rude pilgrim? Why is he staring at me? Don't they have invalids in Galilee? 
Why doesn't he simply move on? Is he deaf and blind? And so Simeon angrily spoke with a sense of bitterness in his heart. And he said to the strange man, Look here, stranger. I don't know where you come from. But perhaps you've never seen anyone crippled before. Well, take a good look. And then, if you don't mind, just shove off. Because you are blocking my son. Still, there was no response from the master. Oh, my friend, I want to tell you this morning, you cannot look at the eyes of Jesus without being changed. As he looked, as the paralytic looked, he saw that this strange man's eyes were good, penetrating eyes. Finally, the man spoke and asked, Would you be made holy? Uh, whole? Sorry. You know, the question rang loud in Simeon's eyes. Yes. And mind. I tell you, children of the Most High God, today we have good news to tell the world. I want to tell you today that we have to tell the people. Some of them were worshipping here. We want to tell them that only Jesus can set you free. We want to tell them only Jesus can break the bondage of sin in you and me. Yes, you may have lost your way with the Lord, you may have been considered by others to be the worst sinner that ever lived. You may have sunk deep into sin, but I have good news to tell you today. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son for you and me. He had to bleed and die on the cross of Calvary to save a wretch like you and me. That's good news that we ought to tell the people of South Africa all over the country about. That's good news we ought to shout about to the uttermost end of the world. Would you be made whole? This question rang loud in Simeon's mind again and again and again. Suddenly, he realized that this was the most penetrating question he would ever be asked. And truly the most basic question of his life. The Galilean had reached into the very depths of his life with five Simple words. Would you be made whole? 
If he said yes, then he quickly realized it would have meant a drastic change in his life. Oh, my friends, you cannot look at Jesus without change coming into your life. He would have been, who have had to leave his mat, he pondered. That would have been his place of re re residence for almost four decades. His mat was his world. It was everything to him. But Christ wanted the man to acknowledge that he could not be healed by any action that he would have taken in his life. The, mean, the man, Jesus realized, the man needed to realize that he required the help of someone of a higher power. He needed to realize his own condition as he sat there on this mat for almost 40 years. Jesus was not talking about his physical health, though it was certainly one of the conditions. He was asking about his spiritual health. That is what Christ asks each of us today. He is asking us as we sit here and listen to his word, would you be made whole? Our relationship with our Heavenly Father is being brought into question today. Do we have one? Do we have a relationship with God? Do we want to have a relationship with Jesus? If we have a relationship with Jesus, how tenuous is it? In our spiritual life, how demanding are we for healing? The majority of us don't even recognize how ill we are spiritually. But God wants us to understand what is wrong in our spiritual life. When Christ asked the crippled man at the pool if he wanted to be made whole, he wasn't talking about his stamped legs. The man had lost hope. He lost faith in mankind, in himself. And more importantly, he had lost faith in God. The man was a dispirited, cynical, and hopeless individual. Christ came to the paralytic in his moment of greatest need. And he provided him a lifeline. He looked deep into the man's soul and he saw that Simeon did not like who he was. At that moment, as he looked at Jesus, Simeon understood that his condition was bad and he did not enjoy who he was. The Savior gave him the opportunity to take inventory of his life and his condition. With his help, Simeon 
understood that he, what he had become. Simeon swam his way from the deep pool of depression into the light shining on the surface. In the process of restoring Simeon's spirit, Christ also healed Simon's uh, spine and legs. However, the thought of wholeness was foreign to Simeon, that he felt completely frightened. Just the look of Jesus made the paralytic sense hope. And so, he was filled with a burning desire to reach for the unknown. His heart felt, felt, fell apart, and he began to, crowd, to cry out loudly, Lord, Master, I have no one to help me. Oh, my friends, that bitter cry of Simeon that day, that Sabbath morning, went straight to the heart of Jesus. Because what Simeon was really telling the master was, I have been rendered worthless in society. I have felt abandoned by God for 38 long years for the sin that I committed. Mark that part. Yes, he felt dejected by God, but he realized that he had sinned before the eyes of the Lord. And so he appealed to Jesus. He said, please, Lord. He realized that this strange man from Galilee was in fact the Lord. He he said, Lord, please help me. I beg of you. As those bitter eyes began to dry up. Simeon heard the Lord speak for the first time to him. And Jesus said to him, Rise up. Take thy bed and walk in the light of God as a whole man. There was something about that command. Power and authority rang in that voice. Simeon glanced one last time into the eyes of Jesus. And without saying a word, he obeyed the Lord's command. Notice that at at no time did Jesus give Simeon an assurance of divine help. But Simeon believed the Lord. The man who had sheltered, who had sheltered him or covered him up from the sun that he was enjoying. And so when the Lord spoke, Simeon jumped to his feet and found that his balance was absolutely sure. And now, oh my friends, when you meet Jesus, there's only one thing you do joy unspeakable and full of glory. And Simeon began to dance and dance and dance as he swung his 
old map over his head, shouting, praise the Holy One this great day. Oh, he stopped dancing and stared towards the gate of the temple. No longer did that gate look impregnable to him. But instead, he felt a sense of invitation to go directly to the temple. After four decades, he started walking briskly towards the entrance of the temple. Several aspects of this story, my friends, uh, I haven't got time. I don't know what time it is, but will you excuse me for a little while? Uh, I'm going to fin- try and finish as quickly as I possibly can. First, Jesus healed that paralytic. He picked one man in that crowded place of invalids station at Bethesda. He picked a man who had not even sought Jesus out. He picked a man who did not even know this man. He picked a man that that did not have faith in Jesus before being healed. His only claim to Jesus' attention may have been that he was the most pitiful of all cases present when Jesus entered the pool. A second startling aspect to the story is that Christ chose to heal the man on the Sabbath day. The rabbis allowed, you know, allowed for special acts on the Sabbath day. But it was only allowed in emergency cases. But this was no emergency. After all, the man had been in the pool for almost four decades. Surely a day's delay for the sake of the Sabbath would not have made a major difference. But Jesus was deliberately making a point here. He was saying to the people, it is lawful to do good on Sabbath. He had said that in Matthew 12, verse 12. And what was said there was acted here. In the book by Ellen G. White, In the the Desire of Ages, page 207, she wrote, The Sabbath is not intended to be a period of useless inactivity. The work of Christ in healing the sick was in perfect accord with the law. Indeed, this story is a living parable illustrating the truth is written. The truth that is written in in John 5, verse 21, that says, the Son of Man gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Oh, my friends, Christ gave life, gives life to anyone. Christ gave life on that day to Simeon. 
because the, there is no limit to Christ's life-giving power. Amen. I want to tell you that we too receive the same spiritual faith if we exercise the same faith yes. of the changed Simeon. Sin has created a schism between God and us. As a result, we are spiritually paralyzed as we sit here and totally helpless. Yes, there, are many, there may be many people today who feel and sense their helplessness. They may sense their hopelessness, their wretchedness. People who long for that spiritual life which will bring them into harmony with Jesus Christ our Lord. They cry out with utter despair, O oh, wretched man that I am, what shall deliver me from this body of death? I say to them, look up to Jesus, for he alone can set you free. Only Jesus can make a drunkard pure. Only Jesus can make a hallowed clean. No one has that authority. Jesus, my holy friends, is stretching out his hands right now to us to say, to ask, would you be made whole? He is calling us on the Sabbath day to rise up in health and peace. Just believe that you are made whole and your sins are forgiven. Call to Jesus. Tell him what you have done. Tell him that you want a change in your life. Yes, Lord. And act on it. Oh, my friends, the restored paralytic bent over to take his bed, a rug and a blanket, and began to straighten up. Oh, he looked in his appearance as that old but reformed tradesman. He was filled with joy unspeakable and full of glory. He looked this way. He looked the other way. Trying to put his eyes again on Jesus who had healed him. But he could not find him. So Simeon was filled with fear that he would not find Jesus again. And so as he rushed on his way with firm, free steps, praising God and rejoicing in his newfound uh, strength, Amen. he met a group of Pharisees who stopped him in his tracks and asked him why he was carrying his mat on the Sabbath day. They sternly rebuked him and said, Don't you know that it is unlawful to carry burdens on the Lord's day? But in his exuberance, the former paralytic had, gotten, had forgotten that it was the Sabbath day. But he replied boldly, He that made me whole, the same said unto me, Take up thy bed and walk. And the, the Pharisees knew immediately that he was talking about Jesus. They were beside themselves with fury. Had these rulers 
not feared the people around, they would have sought out for Jesus to kill him on the spot. They wanted to condemn Christ for breaking the law in healing a sick person on the Sabbath day. Simeon finally reached the temple to bring a sin and thank offering for the great mercy of God. And, and as he came to the temple, Jesus came across him. And he approached Simeon. And he said to him, Behold, thou art made whole. Say no more, lest a worse thing come unto you. There is, however, an even deeper element here. And the form of the word sinning is extremely continuous. Jesus commands us, Jesus commanded Simeon then to stop something that we and him had been doing continuously right up to his encounter with Jesus at the temple. This implies to Simeon that he had somehow been continuing in sin, even in a paralyzed state. But what kind of sin was Jesus referring to here? A paralyzed man cannot rob a bank. He cannot commit adultery. He cannot kill anyone. Jesus was referring to the sin of the mind. His thoughts, his attitudes, his imagination. Jesus tells the man, sin no more. This was the part that Simeon had to do himself. Oh, my friends, when you have gone through crucibles and Jesus offers you the solution, there's a part that you need to play. And this was the part that he needed to, to do. Turning towards the Pharisees, Jesus said to them, that therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus and sought to slay him because he had done these things on the Sabbath day. That's what the record tells of what uh, uh, had happened. Yes, my friends, Jesus was brought to the Sanhedrin and among the accusations that were leveled against him was the fact that he had dared to heal people on the Sabbath day. Oh, my friends, they easily forgot that heaven's work never ceases. And men should never rest from doing good. The creator of the Sabbath the Almighty God, the Lord of the Sabbath, was brought before this uh, worldly tribunal 
to answer the charge of breaking the Sabbath law. But how could that be? It was an impossibility. How ridiculous. When Jesus so fearlessly declared his mission, that he had come to heal, to give life, and give it more abundantly. The priests on that faithful day looked upon him with astonishment. But inside they were raging with bitterness. But Jesus had silenced them. They could not condemn him. He turned upon the rulers and rebuked them for the hardness of their hearts and their ignorance of the scriptures. They had rejected the word of God and he said to them, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And these are they which bear witness of me. The rulers felt a deep sense of guilt, yet they were not prepared to yield to Jesus. They were determined to kill him. They sent messengers all over the country to warn the people against Jesus as the imposter of imposters. Spies were sent to watch him and report what he said to the people. And it became abundantly clear that now was standing, that he was standing under the shadow of the cross. Simeon, for once, knew that there was a loving and caring God. He knew that there was acceptance by God Almighty. A Sabbath deliverance had set the captive free at Bethsaida. And today, my friends, as I conclude, you too can be set free today. You too can respond to Jesus' question. And I leave you with Jesus' question. Would you be made whole?